Wake up, wake up, 49ers fans. Guess what? You're in the NFC Championship game. It was a little bit of a heart attack to get there, but Larry, <laughs> they got there. How are you, pal? Good morning. Uh, you know, everyone was all stressed out for about four solid hours, but you also got to sleep the sleep of victory, which is the best way to go to bed after a stressful football game. My God. Oh, my God. I can't do this anymore. That was just unfreaking believable. And, you know, I asked Dre Greenlaw in the post game presser. I'm like, you know, were, 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 what was going through your mind, man? <laughs> what was going through your mind? You know, were you thinking maybe I ought to get down there? And he's, you know, he had a funny answer and everybody laughed. But, man, I mean, my 14 year old said, Dad, I was at home. I was screaming, get down, get down. I was hoping one of the old, one of his own teammates would just tackle him. What was his answer? What was the funny answer? He's just saying, I'm just trying to make a play. Yeah. He's just like, you know, I, he's like, Fred told me, uh, I'll play it for you. Cause it's so great. I, I don't only have the audio cause I haven't put it in the video yet, but here you go. Here's the question. Trey, what was going through your mind after the uh, second pick? And did you hear people yelling, get down, get down? Oh yeah. I heard <laughs> Fred told me I was supposed to get a PC. So, I mean, it was kind of his fault. He told me, he was like, man, you can pick six. So, I was trying to get one every time I got the ball. But, yeah, I know I didn't do that. I like it. was Fred's fault. Fred's fault. It was Fred's Fred. fault. Fred's, Fred's fault. fault unbelievable I asked Kittle about it Kittle's like dude he, he was like doing NBA crossovers you know he was he was I'm oh man and Kyle was like uh oh, shaking his head he's like some of the guys that I wanted to you know yell at were some of the guys who made great plays but hey look I will stand on this and you know it because you and I talked about it on many streams and all the audience knows it as well I emphasized not just this week, not just last week. I emphasized it in week 16, 17, 18. The 49ers aren't getting this done without Dre Greenlaw. You got to have Dre Greenlaw. He's a got to have it player. Steve Wilkes told me this week, man, you got to protect Dre from Dre. So they sat him out in week 18. The best part of week 18 was media. Dre Greenlaw will not be playing today because of uh, Achilles pain or whatever. Uh, he's battling some pain in the Achilles, but he said it in the post game. He's like, there was no way he wasn't going to play. I talked to him at his locker Friday. He knew there was no way he was not going to play. This is a guy who doesn't need to practice. He just needs to play. And he was, Damon, if you go back and I watched that game on the condensed version on the NFL Plus when I got home last night, uh, the only way to watch football, by the way, is just play after play. Everything's cut out. It's amazing. Um, but, um, he made so many plays in that fourth quarter and so many plays, even in that final drive. I mean, he just was everywhere. And the guy has heart of gold. He's, he's a lion out there. I mean, it's just amazing to me. The biggest reason the 49ers won that game was Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. I know we can talk about Lenore and Kittle and, you know, JJ and CMC and Brock in the, in the final drive. And, there's lots of heroes, but man, Greenlaw and Warner were constants. And um, I know Aaron Jones had a big night, but those two get linebackers, if the Niners are getting this thing done, da Damon, it's going to be because Greenlaw and Warner lead them there. Well, and it's going to be because when it's time to go and get yourself a big drive, you got a quarterback who did it on a night where he was struggling. You know, yeah. can you win when everything is going right? 
The Niners have checked that box so often, no one's even impressed by it anymore. Can you win when anything is going wrong? It felt like the Niners hadn't checked that box not once all this year. They hadn't won a single game where they had been trailing in the second half, and they save this performance in the postseason to check a box that a lot of people said they needed to check along the way. And I'm wondering, Larry, in if some crazy cockeyed universe Last night's game wasn't a really, really good thing for the Niners, for their confidence. It's a game where no one was absolutely on it. No one really played a great football game. There were a couple good individual performances, and we will talk about all of them here this morning. But they won with their B game. They won with their B minus game. They won with their C plus game. I don't know. You know B minus might even be generous. They got it done when it mattered most, and can the Niners win ugly is a question we've been asking ourselves, the audience, and the team itself all season long. Can they win ugly? Larry, they they went home with the ugliest girl in the bar last night. They got it done. <laughs> yeah, they, they won ugly. They won ugly, and it was a heart attack on a plate. There are so many things had just one thing happened you're either in overtime or you're losing that game. There's a lot of second guessing of coaching decisions this morning. Uh, there's a lot of finger pointing on a whole bunch of things that might have gone wrong. Kyle has absolutely exposed himself for further criticism of coaching tight in big moments at the end of halves and at the end of games. I mean, Kyle has some tendencies that aren't great, but the Niners overcame them and they've got a clean slate for whoever shows up next weekend. Nothing that happened Saturday night at Levi's Stadium does anything to the affect the outcome of the next game. And the next game's the most important one of the entire year. You can just put this one behind you. The only thing that could affect the outcome is Debo's status. And the good news out of Debo early this morning is it doesn't seem like anything serious occurred. Which then, of course, you know, you got all these people going, he's soft. Why do you leave? You know, it's like, oh, my God. Stop calling football players soft. Um, a guy named Quantopoli sent a, a, a tweet in late in the fourth quarter. And I know you got it because you're attached to this. <laughs> you know, he sent it to me. He sent it to you. He sent it to Dan Orlovsky and a few other people. He says, I guess we got our answers. 49er fans, Brock Purdy's not the answer. Niners need a quarterback. Wow. No. It's just like, you know, we got to, we got to just stop with this, guys. We got to stop. I mean, there's, you know, I'm all about make a knee jerk reaction, but, um, you know, just because the guy struggled last night doesn't mean he's not the guy. To me, um, I think you're totally spot on. I think this game is going to help them. Good luck to whoever they get next because the odds are they're not going to play that kind of a game next week. Uh, Brock may have some problems in wet conditions. I, you know, it, it seems like he's kind of torn. Do I wear a glove? Do I not? The wet football bothers him. You know, I think I might, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, have him, you know, work with some wet, wet uh, footballs from time to time on game weeks where you know you're going to, the rain's going to be there. Why not? I mean, you, you mock up everything else. You're playing in a in Seattle. You've got gigantic speakers that you'll bring out and blast speakers really loud, trying to emulate or not emulate, but uh, um, you know, copy the the simulate. sound. What's that? Simulate. Simulate. Thank you. Thank you. It's early. 
uh, simulate that sound, um, you know, that you're going to get in Seattle. Why wouldn't you try to simulate the weather? Um, so I don't know. I think Kyle's a great coach. There's a little bit of stubbornness to him for sure. I, I you know, he, he gets <sighs> the thing that drives me so crazy about him in the second quarter is they put so much money, Damon, into their defense. They obviously have so many of their resources tied up in their defense, but then they treat their defense like it's a major liability and not a strength. Lean into it. You Have belief in your defense. Um, don't worry about giving somebody the ball with 30 seconds left. Just don't have Steve Wilkes call an all-out blitz, and I think you'll be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you saw in Minnesota. I mean, he's so worried about – he's clearly – I watched it again, and he's clearly serving multiple masters in that in his mindset in that final drive before the half. They got the ball back with 4.09 left to go in the first half, and to only get a long field goal attempt from your rookie kicker which you were trying to avoid altogether, you know, leaning on him. It's just inexcusable. I mean, the drive was just totally inexcusable. They didn't handle the clock well. They wasted 45 seconds, 409 left. First and 10 from the 25, they run McCaffrey left for one yard. Second and nine, he goes to Jennings for 12 yards. Now it's first and 10 on the 38. He goes CMC and a halfback toss for three yards. It's second and seven on the 41, Purdy to CMC for nine yards. It's first and 10 on the 49, or the plus 45, CMC runs seven yards. Second and three, CMC runs four yards. Then, you know, you're already, by by that second down play, they were already at the two-minute warning. They went, they ran one, two, three plays in two minutes. You got to be able to speed it up a little bit in that situation and not be so worried about, I mean, they, they settled for a 48 yard Jake Moody field goal and before, and there, and yet Niner fans, and I get it. You like Kyle Shanahan. I like Kyle Shanahan. I'm a big backer of Kyle Shanahan. Don't just because, you know, it's like you love your kid. Doesn't mean your kid does everything right. You know, you love your wife. Doesn't mean she does everything right. You love your head coach. You think he's great. Fine. Doesn't mean he did everything right. It wasn't right that they got the ball with 4.09 left and they settled for a 48-yard Jake Moody field goal, you know, with no time. I mean, it's like they botched that. They wasted time. They blew their timeouts. You got to either hurry it up and get down there uh, or give Jake a chippy, uh, you know, chip shot field goal. I mean, you had to score at least three. I am 49er. Brian's like, crew, come on, we won. I'm just saying th- this is a problem that supersedes this game. It's it's a problem that Shanahan has had. He wants to he wants everything. He wants to score right before the half and also leave his opponent zero seconds on the clock. And it's just it is. You know what it is? It's, it's a hard it's, out in radio. It's a hard out. You know, when they say, hey, uh, Damon. We need a hard out at nine seventeen fifteen, and you've got. I can't. You can't get out at fourteen, and you can't get out at eighteen. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's so, the near impossible. It does feel like Kyle is in such a quest for perfection. He lets pretty good pass him by sometimes. 
You know, it, and someone needs to tell him, like, Kyle, you don't get bonus points if you score when the clock hits zero. You know, you don't get any extra for that. You do get the... You, you had know, to have points there, man. It had to be 10-6 yeah. yeah. at half, and it was 7-6. And the thing is, it's... I don't understand why you're just letting that 40 seconds burn off the clock at midfield. You know, you're inside the 15-yard line, and you're a throw away from an, a pretty relatively short somewhat easy red zone score you can start playing with the milliseconds but you shouldn't start playing with the milliseconds when you're out at the 45 48 yard line and you're just thinking oh yeah we're going to cover half the field with three timeouts no problem at all with only 12 seconds left on the clock like you don't have enough time to run the plays that you want to run and that's what bothered me the most about it kyle is literally doing more to shrink his own options and his own playbook in the quest of what not letting the best defense in football pretty much all year long have to defend a full football field for nine seconds exactly 18 seconds at the worst so you know you had to have points there i i I some i think he gets kind of he's he's running the game running the clock he's the offensive coordinator he's got a lot going on there and i just think that I mean, I don't want to insult anybody, but I just think that they that he may need a little bit of help from some other entity that says, "Okay, let's do it this way." And I don't know, I don't know well, what the answer know, is. It's, it's not time at all to talk about off-season moves. You're in the right. NFL title game. The yeah, playoffs, I mean, all the we're not talking about the off-season, but there are two hires that I would like to see Kyle make this off-season. Hire whoever it takes to improve this special teams, which has been a blind spot in the Niners' entire run under Kyle Shanahan. Special teams can improve full stop. They've got and, a good special teams coach right now. Right, but they don't play well on special teams. They Special teams is constantly a just don't screw it up. It's not seen as any opportunity to improve the game. You know, like Wisnowski does a hell of a job. They used a third-round pick on a kicker, a fourth-round pick on a punter, signed George Odom to big money. They're doing the kinds of things that you would typically say you ought to do, but I hear you. They, yeah. They've got, I mean, they had a major advantage on special teams on paper over Green Bay, who was like 32nd DVOA on special teams. But that the, the Kayshawn Nixon thing was just, oh, my God. That was, the, a, that was a gut punch, yeah. too. And, 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 Larry, the other thing is, like like you're saying, the team needs a clock coach, a guy who's not even looking at the football game, just looking at the clock, considering timeouts left, and is a, you know, a, 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 a beautiful mind in terms of knowing exactly when to stop clocks and call timeouts. And How about a hurry-up? Does, does this team have a hurry-up? Yeah. I mean – you would think that that you would think they would have a hurry up. I I asked Kyle six weeks ago. I said, Kyle, do you ever play around with the idea of tempo and maybe trying to speed it up? I mean, the Niners have the hardest um, eligibles to cover. You got a quarterback that's really really smart and processes fast. You know, you are an off you're your own offensive coordinator, so there's no like debate on the headsets. You can get plays called uh, in on time. And he's like, yeah, we did that a lot when I first got here. And I, I get and then he's like, we don't do it as much now. And I'm not I'm not really sure why they don't. But I would you know, they won a bunch of games, Damon, by by big margins this year in those big margin games. Why not take one series a game 
I mean, I almost think it would be like advantageous to get to like have a reputation around the league as, hey, you know what? If you play the 49ers one series a game, they're going to go hurry up on you and you don't know when it's coming. And I think they would put tremendous pressure on their opponent. Um, and I, I like the idea of tempo. And if you run some more tempo on a regular basis, then I think you could go hurry up in some of these end of halves, end of games, and have your guys feel like more um, united and more like it's like a regular kind of thing. But they don't. Pra- I don't. I don't. I know they practice it, but they don't do it in games, and they look like they don't understand that they should go hurry up sometimes and right before the half. What's odd about that is like Kyle is obsessed with finding weaknesses and mismatches. And when you know, you got a weak player, when you know, you got a soft target of opportunity on the field, why wouldn't you go hurry up to keep them on the field? Right? Why wouldn't you go hurry up to keep whatever advantage you think you have this player on that player is where I can pick up a first down. Why wouldn't you, continue to do that especially when you look around the league damon and everybody's got all these sub packages i mean you watched dallas last week they're they're trotting guys on trotting guys off if jim harbaugh if jim harbaugh comes back to the nfl you saw the national championship game he's got all kinds of different guys coming on and off the field it's situational football and specialists and you know different looks and three safety looks and it's like you can negate a lot of that by, you know, you get a defense, uh, you know, and and don't let them substitute because you hurry it up. I mean, I just think playing with tempo, I saw what it did to the Niners when they played the Falcons in Atlanta when Arthur Smith went hurry up against the Niners, and it puts a little stress and pressure on your defense, and that's a good thing. So, you know, you got this awesome offense. You're one of the big offensive gurus. Work in a hurry up, and then if you work in a hurry up, I think you, it will give you more confidence to play faster inside of the two-minute warning going into the half. I don't know. It's all nitpicking at this point. I will say this. I will say this. If you watch, that game was hell to watch. But guess what? It was super enjoyable in the condensed post version after you know your team won. You know? Oh, sure. <laughs> like, yeah. It was awesome. Every negative play that last night we were like, oh, my God, knowing you that you won. Oh, it's all. And all I got to say is, you know what? I I should have given more love in the post game last night to Demo Lenore. That man is an absolute star in the making. He's got he's got that. He was the one guy, Damon, who at his locker told me. We are not losing this game. And he wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to say it. And then he went out there and played like, here it is, the best Jacob Thomas. Demo a dog. And it's probably D-A-W-G. I mean, Demo Lenore is is absolutely, if I could replicate that guy, if if I could clone that guy and have, you know, 10 other guys on defense that all were made of what that guy's made of, I would do it. He that guy right, is awesome. He picked the right game to have the best game of his young career. He's awesome, man. Ambry Thomas picked the wrong game to maybe have the worst game of his career. That could have been the fatal flaw in last night's game. And Thomas had a rough, rough night, man. There's He's no, got to play no, with more poise and the no ball pretend, in the air. Yeah, no, no pretending. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, I think the thing that you and I do best is we don't pretend. Right. Okay, we don't pretend. 
Let's not pretend that anything in that game was optimal last night. It really wasn't. You can carve out room to complement a few performances, but overall, that is among the least impressive football games the 49ers have played all season. Regular postseason doesn't matter. That was not a great afternoon evening of 49ers football. Until but the final drive. The and then Purdy came alive, man. Yeah. Purdy was great in the final drive. You got to give it to him. He, he completed 86. He had completed 53% going into the final drive. On the final drive, he stepped it up and completed 86 well, it's known as six for seven for 47 yards on that decisive drive. Purdy was six for seven for 47 yards. And then maybe among the biggest plays he made was the scramble to inside the, what the six yard line, wherever he got when he ran the ball and he Great play. it and ran. And it was, uh, it was the right choice. It was a game where they found themselves without, I think a key cog of the entire evening's offensive plan and that's another like, come on, Kyle, you got to have a left hand to go along with your right hand. And you got so many weapons just because Debo is out of this game early doesn't mean half the playbook should just vanish. It also doesn't mean you should ask anyone to play like Debo and that handoff to begin the second half to Juwan Jennings is maybe the single most. What are you doing here, Kyle? Offensive snap of the entire season. Like, that is somebody who is in his too-cute bag. I, uh, do you understand that that's not Debo Samuel? He should not be running the ball there. Juwan Jennings hasn't been asked to do that all season long. You're going to ask him to do it now in what had the markings of being the most important drive of the entire season after you just let down the end of the first half. you got to come out here at the beginning of the third. got to do something. And they go three and out. Like, that's uh, the one time where I said yeah. to myself, they're going to lose this football game. I know. They're oh, I I'll say this. I never felt like they were going to win this game from the beginning. It just, it never felt good. It never felt good. And by the way, Shawan Jennings, he's a free agent this offseason. You wouldn't have won yesterday, fellas, without Shawan Jennings. Six targets. He caught five balls for 61 yards. He blocked a guy into the Gatorade on the on the opposing sideline. Did you see that play? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's like, you know, blindside stuff, you know, right. from I mean, Jawan Jennings is absolutely one of the toughest. You got to have toughness, man. And he is tough. That's a tough guy, man. And. As we said many times, that's a really good Packers team. That's a really good football team. I mean, the Niners absolutely left an awful lot of incompletes on their report cards. They forgot to dot I's and cross T's all night long. But the Packers. Packers are coming, baby. I'll tell you, the Packers have to be waking up this mo morning feeling like they let the opportunity of a lifetime slip through their hands. If, if Niner fans are elated with the thank God we survived that, Packers fans have to be saying, I, I can't believe we lost that game. I can't believe we lost that game. Now, what's really weird, you get into the box score and you'll find out that the 49ers did outperform the Packers in some statistical categories, and it didn't feel that way at all. The feeling of that game was the Packers were in control until the Niners were in victory formation, basically. And they lost control of a game that it felt like they were in control of. The nitpicking that can go on in Green Bay uh, can go on for days and days and days. 
where this entire game was won. And Larry, we're going to get to just our facts here. We got some other uh, a new segment to work into the postseason show today on Wake Up. Oh, oh yeah, Damon was working last night. But Damon wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Um, this entire game feels like it turned at the end when Brock, you know, game-winning drives will do that, right? Game-winning drives will make you think that's where the game was won. And sure, it was in some ways. But where the game was really won was by this defense deciding to just bend and not break on the first three red zone trips. Larry, three red zone trips by the Green Bay Packers, six points. That's where the Niners won this game. They won it with the red zone stops in the first quarter. That's where this game was won. And the fact that that LaFleur went for it on fourth and one, and I know, look, he might have got it. That might have been a bad spot. I thought he got it in real time, then I saw another angle, and I'm like, eh, Packers got a little jobbed on that spot right there. I don't know. Uh, had that been a field goal, a makeable field goal? The game's in overtime right there. Had Carson not missed or Carlson not missed the other uh, uh, kick in the game, that 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 game could be in overtime. And in overtime, anything can go wrong. So it, it's... We got over 2,000 people in the chat. How many of them last week were ripping the shit out of me when I was saying that Green Bay is good and that... You Why know, are you guys afraid? Why are you guys afraid of the you're Packers? Afraid. You're what are afraid. You, Craig, you're afraid. We're going to roll these guys by four touchdowns. We're going to... It's like, come on, guys. You know I mean? It's like, you know, um, I, I get things wrong. I get things right like everybody else. But come on, man. You, you know, Green Bay was good. Right. You don't go into... Now, Dallas gagged. But you don't go into Dallas and hang 48 on their defense without having a good offense. I mean, Jordan Love is, is good, but he's young. And in the biggest moments at the end, with the place rocking and rolling, um, you know, and the rain coming down, he made a couple mistakes, and Greenlaw were there to, was there to pick him off. But, I mean, Green Bay has got a great young GM named Gutekunst, and LaFleur is a solid coach. It's a really well-run organization, and, man, how they hit with with Jordan Love, uh, they hit with Dobbs, they hit with Reed, they hit with Melton, they hit with Musgrave, they hit with Watson, they hit with Kraft, they hit with Wicks. I mean, they they you know they they need some more defense. Um, they need a healthy you know Jair Alexander, but Green Bay, to me, I, I I'll say this, and I said this in camp. I said, man, it's going to be the Niners and the Eagles for the foreseeable future in the NFC. No, because, you know, one thing I always forget is how fast the NFL dial turns and the careers are so much shorter and everything's so sped up. Right, Damon? So it looks like it's Niners Eagles. But re in reality, the Niners and the Eagles are, are older teams. Um, and there's these young bucks like Detroit and Green Bay and a couple of others that are coming up. And um, it just it goes by fast. So all I got to say is just, you know, green. Forget me. I Take me out of the equation. I'm just saying Green Bay is coming as a as a young team. And this Detroit team that I think it's coming to, you know, we'll find out today. But I think Detroit's going to get it done in a big way today. Um, they're they're coming too. you know, uh, Hutchinson and all these young Brian Branch and 
Penny Sewell and Laporta and Amon Ron. I mean, they're coming. I'm Jameer Gibbs. They're coming. And, and, and a grown-up adult version of Jared Goff, who's a lot yeah. better than the Jared Goff we remember from Los Angeles. And uh, it's yeah. come together. And, and they They're coming. On, These young teams are coming. Yeah, they've taken on their identity of their head coach, who we're both fans of. There's no doubt about that. It doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. That's, <laughs> I mean, and, and that is the way they go out and play. Like, I remember... Yes. I remember when everyone was laughing at that. I mean, I remember the first time I heard it, I told Lucas immediately. I'm like, cut that, Lucas. That is incredible. We're going to play that soundbite all season long. It's the one soundbite that I used to play for Ray Ratto that Ray liked. I mean, and seriously, when I would fill in for you at 95.7, I, I would say, hey, um, they're like, do you want any sound? I'd be like, um, well, the, you know, Damon's got a soundboard. Can I just get the uh, can I just get the Dan Campbell with the uh, the one ass cheek uh, line? That <laughs> these nuts, and that's a guy. That's a guy who's intense as hell. Who also knows how to keep a team loose, and that is how the Lions play. The Lions are out there, like they don't care how many ass cheeks or toes. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. And all they're trying to do is go out there and beat your ass. That's what they do. They're 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 ridiculous though. Between Kirby Joseph and and uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Those guys remind me of Whitner and Goldson. Well, and Gardner Johnson's been a little bit banged up. And if for some reason that one of my favorite know, players in the whole league, if for some reason the Lions are not here next weekend, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I bet you it's one of those games where he didn't go through. He, he couldn't play the whole thing. You know, I mean, he, he's a he's a game tilting player. He really is. Um, but we need. How about this? On Monday at 8 a.m. West Coast time, Larry and I are going to be right back here. 24 less than 24 hours from right now with a wake up because this wake up this Sunday special edition of wake up is to look back at what happened last night and try to figure out how the Niners survived that Monday's wake up will be a full preview of the NFC championship game, which we can't do right now because we still don't even know who's coming. And as you can tell from last night, anything can happen in a football game playing at home with pressure to win was almost enough to smother the Niners. If that can happen, it can happen to the Lions as well. So we'll we'll see, right? Um, it is I'm rooting hard for Tampa. Yes, root hard for Tampa without a doubt. Uh, it is wonderful to have you here. I've got more people in my room right now, Larry, on my side of this broadcast than I've had, I think, for any other wake up. So that is great. You said you got a robust audience on your channel. We put them together. Voltron has been formed, and it's wonderful to have you. Please hit subscribe. Please hit like. Uh, memberships indeed available. Both of our channels, the support that you've given Larry right from the jump that Larry's given me, that so much of Larry's audience has given me, it's meant an awful lot. And we've grown by leaps and bounds this year. And this show will go on. After football season, there is something about wake up that people are responding to that means we're going to keep doing this throughout yep. the entire year. So thank you for being here. Like, subscribe, all those things. Larry, are you ready for just the facts? I'm ready. You're ready. And uh, over 2,000 people in the room are ready as well. By the way, Roland does say if they do hire a clock coach, they should hire a guy who just has a huge Flava Flav clock. <laughs> and that's how you can identify the clock coach because he's wearing Wait a, a second. big clock. What about, what about Big Dom? Maybe Big Dom? Try to take him away from Philly. Hey, Big Dom, we got a sideline duty for you. 
You want to be out there. You want to be part of the team. So want to be part of it. Poor Big Dom. I wonder if Big Dom is Philadelphia's new Steve Bartman. Does he have to like leave? <laughs> no, I'm sure he's probably embraced. He's probably he's probably eating Philly cheesesteaks for free. Probably. And I hear he's a great guy, so that's good. All right, let me give this a nice starting point for edit to uh, for Kevin to have a nice edit. Larry, are you ready for just the facts? I am ready. San Francisco has reached the conference championship game for the 17th time since 1980, which is the most in the NFL during that span. That ain't bad. Let's just start right there. There is no team that appears in its conference championship game more in our modern football lifetimes than your San Francisco 49ers. Now, as a fan base, as a as an assembled media, as YouTube content creators, we are hard on these boys. We are hard on them. And they are more often than not on the precipice of doing something special, certainly more often than not measured against their own competition in the NFL. So, you know, tip of the cap. Tip of the cap, 17th conference championship game since 1980. The 49ers are in the title game for the third consecutive season and for the for the fourth time in franchise history and for the first time since the peak of the Harbaugh years from 2011 to 2013. They've won five consecutive postseason games now against the Green Bay Packers. And the win Saturday night at Levi's is the 37th playoff victory in 49ers franchise history, which ties them with the Packers and the Patriots for most playoff wins in NFL history. So, you know, there's a reason why the 49ers are one of the crown jewels of the NFL's crown. This is an incredible franchise. And uh, again, the stakes to win it all this year are massive, but let's appreciate where they are. And how they got here on a night after maybe they shouldn't even be hosting the NFC title game. They're doing it. So hats off. Hats off. Larry is somebody who grew up being bounced on his daddy's knee at Candlestick. You know, this this has got to mean an awful lot to you. And you appreciate the steps along the way to greatness. Here they are at a vital step. You can't be great without this step. And they're in this step once again. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is... It's great to see them back on top. I mean, you know, it, it was they were on top in the 80s. They were on top in the 90s. Man, they fell off there in the, in 2000s. the, the 2000s. The 2000s were just a nightmare. Uh, Dennis, Dennis Erickson and all these. I mean, it was just a nightmare. Mike Nolan, Mike, Mike Nolan, a smell in the building. Well, I love the smell in the building. Really? Uh, to me, it stunk. Um, and, and, um, uh, you know, obviously they they had the Harbaugh tease years, and I say tease because they got close, but no cigar. And then back to Tom Sula, Chip Kelly. I remember I was sitting there in the press box with John Lund during the chip late in the Chip Kelly singular season, going, "What happened? We were just on top, and now we've allowed seven hundred yard rushers in a row. Our head coach talks a, a million miles an hour." Um, and you know, it's just like, he's supposed to be innovative. He just, what's innovative about chip Kelly. He calls bad plays at a rapid pace. I mean, it was like, <laughs> seriously, I mean, it was like, you know, there's a guy who played fast and played terrible. I mean, it there's was like, only, I, nobody inspired less confidence in chip Kelly in a post game. There is only one element of chip Kelly's career with the 49ers that you can say he really did a good job with that. 
that was handling the Colin Kaepernick firebrand fiasco. And and what did he do? What did he just said? I we love we love Colin and Colin is great. I mean, he you know, I mean, it's he didn't he didn't try to go against Colin, which was smart, but he really I mean, he I don't know if I would say that he handled it well. He started Blaine Gabbard at the beginning of the season over Kaepernick. I don't know, but I hear what you're saying. He didn't allow it to become a gigantic firestorm or split right. the locker room. It, or anything like this way. it was a firestorm, but it really wasn't a storm that burnt inside the Niners locker room. They stayed united. And I'll give Chip credit. And for Jed, that. Jed deserves a little credit there, too, because Jed said, hey, you know, Colin, here's a million dollars and, you know, we're behind you. And the Niner players kept it together. They gave him the Eshmon Award. You know, they didn't fracture internally, even though, I mean, I can tell you many, many stories of of uh, you know Daniel Kilgore and others getting really pissed as as uh, Colin was holding court in the middle of the locker room, uh, talking to reporters about anything but football, and you know guys were like, "Hey, this is a circus" and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, Kelly did a nice job as far as uh, saying all the right things publicly. Just the facts: the Niners have improved to nineteen and seven in the divisional round in franchise history, and Kyle Shanahan has a 70% winning percentage in the postseason. He's 7-3 and three as a head coach over 10 games, including a 3-0 and record in green against Green Bay. And 5-0 and at home, I believe. And he has never lost a home playoff game, and he's never failed to win at least two playoff games in any playoff run. So if that truth remains, the Niners will be in the Super Bowl. So... Pretty good. Shanahan, again, he's reached the conference championship game in each of his first four playoff appearances as 49ers head coach. He is the second coach in NFL history to earn uh, a trip to the conference championship game in each of his first four playoff appearances. The only other coach who ever did that was George Seifert. So, and George Seifert, by the way, was handed a champion on a platter. Kyle was handed anything but that. So, um, to me, I, the most impressive part, oh, sorry, Damon, I was going to say the most impressive part about Kyle was how quickly he assembled a really good staff. He, you know, he, he knows good players, but he also knows good coaches. I mean, D'Amico, Sala, Bobby Slowick, um, you know, I mean, the, the Niners put together a very good staff. Slowick's interviewing for three head coaching jobs virtually today. Yeah. So there could be another head coach off the Kyle Shanahan tree by the end of the week. So um, yeah. you're right. I mean, the evidence that Kyle hires the right coaches or the coaches that he hires become head coaches. So, um, and that's what good coaches do. Co good coaches aren't afraid to, to share the credit. Good coaches aren't afraid to spread around, uh, you know, responsibilities. And um, Kyle has done a hell of a job. Again, I really hope that he gets the Lombardi trophy. So the dumbest, among the pundits and critics will finally have the only X marks the spot of they're good at this or they're bad at this to finally identify and be able to say out loud, like Kyle's really good at this. And look, we spent the first half hour of this program today criticizing him because we hold him to such a, a ridiculously high standard. You know, I accuse him of seeking perfection in a weird way, we're all seeking perfection from him. And perfection is not available in this league. It's not. It just isn't. This league is built to make sure you ain't perfect. And um, everybody can be questioned. I mean, it's like questioning somebody does not mean doubting them.
It, it means that you have another thought. And, you know, I'll say this about Kyle, too, is um, and I've talked to uh, Chris Forster about this, the Niner offensive line coach. Kyle Shanahan doesn't care where a good idea comes from. If Damon Bruce has a good idea and he thinks it can help him win a game, guess what? He'll use Damon Bruce's idea. If Larry Kruger has a good idea, if Chris Forster has a good idea, if Brandon Allen walks in his room and, hey, Kyle, I've got a good idea. He doesn't care where a good idea comes from. Joan and payroll. You think he's getting some Joan and payroll advice? He'll he'll take it from a guy in section 160. He doesn't care where a good idea comes from. And to me, that's a smart person. Let's talk about playoff Brock. Playoff Purdy. As we already told you, on the crucial drive that wins the game after a, an evening of not being on it. It was Purdy was not on his game, not for a minute until the final drive when he went six for seven for 47 yards, made an incredible scramble, converted a third and 10 with that pass to Brandon Ayuk that looked like he might have trapped it against the ground. He didn't best play of the night from Ayuk, and he didn't make many plays out there uh, last evening. The 17 yarder to Chris Conley, a guy who has oh, been loved it. He, he, he he's been so uninvolved all year to be that involved in the biggest drive of the year just shows you that, Hey, when your number is called, you got to go out there and do something and give credit to Chris Conley. He did that. Purdy uh, completed 23 of 39 for 252 yards, one touchdowns. It didn't feel glorious. It wasn't glorious. Some of the decisions that he made were Jimmy Garoppolo level, holy shit, that should have been a pick six going in the other direction? How about the Juwan Jennings catch that 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 I thought that was people said that and I heard point, Olsen the say point, the high point of the the, the high yeah, point. O- Olsen was like that might have been his best pass of the night. I disagree. That might have been his worst pass of the night. You can't you can't just go by the result. You know, uh there's great passes that are incomplete. There's awful passes that are completed. That was an awful pass that was completed. There was four Packers all there. It floated in the middle of the field. There wasn't much on it. He completed it, but I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you don't want that. I'll tell you this. I watched this game on the binoculars a lot. And the one thing I noticed, and I'd be interested to hear Brock talk about it this week, and I don't know if he will, but um, his, his footwork, his, at the top of his drop, his footwork was locked. His feet, it reminded me of Garoppolo, um, you know, where Garoppolo would some get Garoppolo had one of two things going on. He either had pitter patter feet and he, and they looked very, very, you know, the opposite of quiet feet. They were loud and, and like unsure of himself, or they were locked like he like like literally he had you like a basketball player that's used his dribble and doesn't can't move or like you see kids play youth basketball and they've used their dribble and then their feet are locked and they start leaning Brock Purdy the the feet got locked at the bo- top of his drop like at least seven or eight times so but I was maybe calling he was, maybe he was, I was calling for rollouts I want to see the Kyle move the pocket just because get him his feet moving a little bit um 
and you know they just didn't call those plays. He was in the in the pocket a lot, but man, I'll say this: he the one thing I love about um, uh, I love about Brock Purdy is that this guy shows up for the W. He doesn't care about the completion percentage. He doesn't care about his passing stats or his running stats or his this stat or his that stat. The guy's about the W. And I'll 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 roll with the guys who show up to win. Well, you show up to win, you can play for me. You know, we talk about mental acuity. And this is where Brock has a level of mental acuity to process and see the game in a way that is as, if not more valuable than any physical attribute that his critics will tell you he doesn't possess. Um, Purdy did a great job last night on getting rid of the ball on a couple occasions. Some of the didn't take the negative play plays. Are didn't turn it over. Plays. Yeah. And, 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 and but he tried a couple times. Holy shit. Oh I mean, my really God. Did. The savage one in the first oh. half. Oh, oh, he's he got again. The lucky. Niners got, got away with some football murder on Saturday night. They did. He, they got, got, he, got, he probably could have thrown three picks yesterday, maybe four. Yep, it could have happened. The way that he doesn't get stuck on something negative is among his greatest attributes. He puts things behind him, whether it be a great play and a touchdown or a horrific drive and a failure. He moves on, and that's what guys who have been well coached throughout their careers are able to do. Stay in the moment. Don't worry about the moment that has passed. Don't worry about the moments that are coming up. Be zen. Live in the moment. And Brock Purdy's great at being in the moment. Um, maybe the reason why his feet looked a little stapled is because he was unsure of his footing. I mean, I, I, I'm seriously wondering how many 49ers slipped and fell down on the way to the parking lot last night. Did they get their cleats right after the game? Because it didn't feel like they got their cleats right at any point in time during the game. Larry, they Tayshaun announced Gibson, is Tayshawn Gibson out surfing somewhere today? Because that wow. guy was floating on water all night last night. Yeah, he couldn't keep his feet. Mooney couldn't keep his feet. There was a point in the game, and this is another advantage when you watch it on TV as opposed to being there. You know, I didn't realize this. But uh, they said it in the broadcast when I watched the rewatch. Um, the Niner defenders were all changing their cleats in yeah. the middle of the game. Yes. Guys, that's got to happen. That's got to happen in the pregame. And I had a long conversation with Loneal about this. And there's three different, you know, cleat links that you can go to. And I asked Loneal, I said, well, why wouldn't you just go with the deepest cleat? And he's like, Krug, sometimes that if you go with the deepest cleat, your your feet actually stick and some guys really don't like that feeling it's almost like walking on a beach uh, or in mud you know um and you're you know you're it's it's hard to pick them up and put them down and you lose a little speed if you go to a longer cleat um but yeah i mean you got to test that thing out in the pregame but i guess that you know when the rain came heavy um you know guys started switching their cleats supposedly the entire niner defense we're switching their cleats in that second quarter or, or like late first quarter. Penn State used to come on out and have the rack of shoes on the sideline. Like the, the Niners maybe need to pull a, a, a Joe Paterno card out and just travel with a rack of cleats to change into. Um, yeah, it was. Look, I, you know me, I don't like Levi Stadium and it, I, Candlestick might have drained better than Levi Stadium. That was a wet surface that the, the Packers played a lot better on than the Niners did. So they either got to get their equipment manager on the spot or they need, how do you have a, a brand new stadium that doesn't have the proper field drainage? If that was the issue, I don't know. But it just, 
The Niners Niners did not look comfortable on their own home field. And that to me is always hard to explain away. And, and, and Brock's got to decide, do you want to go with the glove? Do you not want to go with the glove? Um, and and I don't know what, maybe somebody can design a towel that like, Somehow you can, you know, vacuums up water or something. The sham you know? Wow, Larry, the sham wow. We've all well, seen, we've seen the commercial. You know, maybe the wow out there. You know, when you go to the dentist and you've got, you know, drool going, and they go get that thing, and it's <laughs> yeah. How about a towel that has like an electric towel that has like a moisture suck up right there? Uh, you know, something. But you know, I'll say this: hand warmer. The Super Bowl is played in the dome. That's right. Super Bowl be played in the dome, Mark in the Mark Davis dome. So um, the, you know the uh, PF Chang's dome. Niners don't have you know don't won't need uh, won't need any any concern there. So well, they can just get there. And next week is supposed to be more dry than this week. So, but th- it does make you wonder about January football and how did Brock Purdy do this? How is he so successful at Iowa State? I've been to Ames, Iowa. They get bad weather there like yeah, most of the year. Would be the best way to describe Ames, Iowa. Yeah, not so how tropical. did this guy do it there? Um, well, you know, he, he one would argue that he he didn't. I mean, he was very good, but he was also not good enough to be drafted in a round that anyone considers, you know, a decent round to be drafted in. He, He's the, he has 32 school records. He does. He does. But uh you know, it obviously he wasn't that impressive or he wouldn't have been the last pick in the draft. I've never seen a I've never seen a player do what Brock Purdy did last night. He literally was drying his hands During in the, the middle play. of a play in the middle of a. have not seen that one either. I haven't seen that one either. They're going to have to figure out a way to animate that on the next version of Madden. Either way, Larry, dry hand, wet hand, good ball, bad ball, cleat, foot quietness foot happiness foot stapled to the ground brock purdy became the fifth quarterback in nfl history to win a playoff game in each of his first two seasons there's been a lot of quarterbacks it's a short list when there's only five joe flacco ben roethlisberger mark sanchez and russell wilson now you got a couple lucky situations in there you got a couple hall of fame quarterbacks in there um brock purdy who knows where it goes who knows where it really ends up and finish. We don't know where this year goes or finishes, much less his career. It's one of the greatest starts any quarterback has ever had in the history of their careers. Full stop. Nothing to criticize. There's nothing for Amy Trask to refute. There's nothing for Nick Wright to refute there. You don't like the player, his poise, his build, his, his physical makeup. That's not what I'm talking about. How many games did you win? Did you go to the playoffs? And what'd you do when you get there at the beginning of your career? Brock Purdy has as much is as much to pull out as Milton Burrow does in showing that the beginning of his career is legit. Did you, uh, did you see Amy Trask's tweet? She said, Dear Brock Purdy, you led your 49ers to a game-winning touchdown. Congratulations. If you advance to the Super Bowl, which I believe you will, I'll treat you to ice cream in Las Vegas. Congratulations, 49er fans. Enjoy this. <laughs> I don't even want to read the comments because well, you know, you know, here's you know the, the comments are going to be like, you know, ah! it's going to be all negative. She, Amy's a good person. Amy is a good person. And I think the reason why what she said was offensive is because we do know she actually does know football. She really does. She knows as much, you know, she knows football. And for him to, for her to just be that dismissive, it felt, 
it felt a little uh, created in the moment for attention. And she certainly did get a lion's share of attention for it. She got a lot of attention. Um, and if she wants to have the Amy Trask ice cream social in Las Vegas, I hope you and I both get tickets to that because it'll it'll be it'll be fun and she'll have sprinkles. Um, let's talk about Christian McCaffrey who, again, it's almost like Steph Curry. You expect him to hit six threes every night, and you don't even acknowledge when it happens. We expect Christian McCaffrey to score a couple of touchdowns every single time he's in a football game, and you don't even really... It doesn't feel like a standout moment when he scores multiple touchdowns even. That's how used we are to seeing it. Well, McCaffrey, 17 carries, 98 yards, two touchdowns on the ground to go along with seven catches for 30 yards through the air. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was a C-plus game for Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> so he did have one of the greatest plays of the year in this game. The 39-yard touchdown run, the jump cut on that was absolutely sinister. I mean, he just... He made two guys miss. He he it was a phenomenal jump cut. There were two defenders there. He jumped from his right to his left. Um it was such an explosive jump cut that suddenly he had guys he had guys in front of him and to his left and he jump cut to the left and then they were both on he jump cut so so decisively that then they now were on his right hand side and then he took it to the house. Um I love this, I love Christian McCaffrey's, um, you know, dependability, but, and also he, you know, he's a tone setter. He's an absolute tone setter. Um, it was great to see him on that touchdown run. And it felt like Kyle didn't use him nearly enough after I agree. the entire regular season, maybe overusing him in the biggest game of the year. He forgets he's got Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in the NFL, and he's handing off to Juwan Jennings, who I don't think had a carry from a running back spot. Maybe he had an end around or a little razzle-dazzle something. I don't even know if he had that, honestly, as I think back through the entire year. But Christian McCaffrey had nine carries for 33 yards with a long of six in the first half. So it was, you know, it, 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 it or first quarter, I should say, um, but it was, it, look, it, it wasn't a great game for the 49ers offensive line. I don't think it was a great game for the 49ers offense. It was a bad game, I think, for the 49ers defensive line. It wasn't a great night in the secondary. Uh, the two linebackers put this team into the win column as much as that final drive. And we will get to Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner here. Um, as a matter of fact, let's get there right now. Because Dre Greenlaw had himself uh, uh, an entire career in just one football game, his two interceptions are the first time a 49er player had two interceptions in a playoff game since Eric Davis picked off Troy Aikman twice in the 95 championship game. Uh, Greenlaw is also the first NFL linebacker to have two picks in a playoff game since Tommy Polly did it for the St. Louis Rams against Brett Favre. Remember Tommy Polly? Remember that name? Um, no. Greenlaw. <laughs> no, not really. Right. Uh, eight tackles, two interceptions, his first two postseason interceptions of his career, and one was bigger than the other. He has now 62 career playoff tackles. That's the fifth most by a 49er player in franchise history. Fred Warner, seven tackles on the evening. He's now got 71 in his playoff career. That's the third most in franchise history. So put Dre Greenlaw in the goddamn Pro Bowl. My God, seriously, 
What does it take? Uh, for, this guy is the most oh, most overlooked player in pro football. I mean, seriously, his first year in the NFL, 92 tackles. 92 tackles in 2019. Followed it up in 2020 with 86. This year, he had 127 tackles. Put that guy in the Pro Bowl. It's unbelievable that this guy doesn't get more love for the Pro Bowl. You know, it's 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 hard to be, you know, admired as a really good power hitter when you're either right in front of or behind Barry Bonds. And that's the thing. He's playing next to Fred Warner, who nobody hesitates to tell you that Fred Warner might be the best at this in the league. And therefore, it just takes a little off Greenlaw's plate in the final evaluation. And that's what's happening more than anything else. If Fred Warner weren't here and it was Dre Greenlaw's team, he'd be that pro bowler. I really oh, he's such a great dude, too. Friday, I'm standing right there at his locker as him him and Purdy have that corner lockers right next to each other. And I always joke with them. I'm like, hey, man, this is like uh, if this were the Monopoly board, I go, this is, you know, park at this is a, you know, park place over here. You know, this, this is the boardwalk and park place. I mean, you guys, you guys, this is uh this is, you know, this is pack heights of uh, of the locker room. Um, and, uh, you know, those guys were sitting there and they were just rapping like dudes. And and Brock was, you know, asking him how his rehab was going and. Dre was taught telling about, hey man, I, I've been rehabbing hard and I got here early. This guy, I don't think people realize well, how much how many man hours has gone into Dre trying to get right physically. He took a couple weeks off, but he's getting to the facility 5 a.m., 6 a.m., getting treatment, getting, you know, extra, taking shots, trying to get ready. Dre appreciates Brock. Brock appreciates Trey. Uh, you know, they're the two guys are very different, different guys, different backgrounds. And Dre's had a tough life. You know, that's another thing. This guy's, this guy is uh, the picture of perseverance and, um, doesn't complain happy go lucky guy on the field. And I, Damon, I've asked this question to a bunch of guys over the last couple of years. I'm like, man, if stuff's going down in a barroom brawl, you can have anybody in the room, uh, roll up and back you who you got. Dre Greenlaw's name comes up first. I mean, seriously, the guys respect the hell out of him. Um, somebody, yeah, here we go. This one, St. Patty, Greenlaw is football. There you go. That's a pretty good way to say it. I mean, the guy, the guy represents what you want in a football player. Just all break, no gas, on the edge of opposite. The you mean all all gas, no break. All you gas, mean no break. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Not, not all. No, I guess he's putting the brakes on the on. I don't know. Yeah, I screwed that up. He'll break um, you. He'll break you. There you go. That's what I meant to say. So if that corner of the locker room is boardwalk and park place, I guess last Where's night. Where's Baltic? Ambry Thomas is Marvin Gardens. You know, I mean, that's last (laughs) night. Ambry Thomas had probably the worst game of his professional career, given the stakes, given the moment he was, he, he he was awful. Well, you got to play with more poise with the balls in the air. He's a good football player who had a really bad night. Yeah. I mean, you got to play with poise when a ball in the air and, you know, one of the biggest plays in pro football is to underthrow the deep ball and then have the receiver come back for it. But when you, you know, you gotta, you got, you've got to turn and look and find the ball, or you gotta, you can't let that receiver just come back into you. And then if he does, you got to get out of the way. You can't just bulldoze him. You got the, the young Niner DBs, the Niners, 
got away with one last night. They will not win the Super Bowl if their young DBs don't play with more poise with the ball in the air. They have to play with greater poise with the ball in the air. Simple as that. And I don't know how that's done. You know, it's up to Bullocks and and the you know Wilkes and the deep Wilkes is a former DB and he's a great DB coach. And man, Steve, if you're watching this, you got to get those guys coached up in the next couple weeks. And um, the young deep, there there is no Jason Verrett. There is no nobody's coming to rescue the young DBs. That you know, you're young play, you're young on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary. Logan Ryan's going to help Gibson. Had a rough one yesterday, though he did make a number of plays. But um, Jair Brown, a- Ambry Thomas, Demo, uh, Womack, maybe Womack gets up in one of these games. Looter, these guys have to play, and they got to play with poise, or they're not well, getting it done. And look, if a defensive back's best friend is a pass rush, defensive backs had no friends out there last night. What happened to this 49ers defensive line? I don't think there was any unit on the field that had a better game than the Packers offensive line. They created the holes for Jones. Obviously, the downfield blocking by the skill players was on full display all night long. This is where you and I talked about how the Packers really do echo the best of the 49ers. They got a full team playing every run play. It's not just the offensive line and the running back. Everybody's in on a run play. I was stunned, though, to see... This defensive line, if I had to walk up to you before the game and just said, Larry, here's the only thing I can guarantee. Jordan Love is not sacked tonight. Did the Niners win that game? You would have said no way. I, I, you know, I talked about this all week. Green Bay was number two in the NFL in pass block win rate. So that's a stat that I really do believe in as far as offensive line stats. I, I don't. Was these, Detroit these, number one, Larry? Was Detroit number one? I'm not sure, actually, because if it is the, the if you might think be. they might if be you think the one. Packers' offensive line was good, there. wait and you see the Lions blow in here next week if they're the team that shows up, because they have a gonna whoop your ass across the line of scrimmage football team. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. That is the working motto of the entire Detroit Lions offensive line, who because they're still alive and the Eagles ain't. They get to say they're the best offensive line in football. Pass block win rate by team. Let me see if I can find that. Um, I'm still looking it up, but I, I will say this. Um, that was a concern, and I mentioned it to O'Neal in the pregame. 49ers have a big-name offensive line, our defensive line. They had six hits on, on Love all night. Five of them came from Nick Bosa. One came from Javon Kinlaw. Chase Young, got to hit the quarterback. Randy Gregory, you got to hit the quarterback. Anybody, you got to hit the quarterback. Anybody not named Nick Bosa, hit the quarterback. Somehow, some way, hit the quarterback. The the Niners are going to have to hit the quarterback. I mean, they're absolutely going to have – they get golf next week, they got to hit him. Um, If they get Lamar in the the, uh, Super Bowl, they got to hit him. Hey, Hargrave had a really good season. I'm not even sure he played last night. Oh, Gosh, I was really disappointed in in his lack of production. Was he? Did he the show up in the box? He is. His name is not on the box score. He. How about nothing, how about how many snaps did Sebastian Joseph Day get? I mean, he played quite a bit. Um, and by the way, I just in the rewatch, 
Feliciano started at right guard. Do you know? I, I'm looking for the snap count. Let me see if I can find the snap count. Maddie, I saw I saw Burford. Burford was in there quite a bit at right guard. So I got to figure out who I got to get that snap snap count. Let's see. It's I got the box here. Um, I got to find that because that uh, how many how many snaps did Burford play? I'll tell you another thing that we got wrong too, Larry. You know, if we're going to try to victory lap when we're right, let's talk about when we're wrong. Yeah, sure. Um, Eric Armstead, I thought that he would be the bomb that you know solved all the running back running performance issues that the Niners have been looking at. I thought that his return to the middle of this defensive line was going to really shut down the concept of of a running game popping off against the Niners. It didn't. It didn't. The Niners got pushed around at the line of scrimmage last night. They really did. They, they did. It was Eric Armstead. Didn't see him. Hargrave didn't hear his name all night. Chase Young. Man, I really hope that you can pay off Chase Young with a big play or two in the upcoming remainder of this postseason because I think you're looking for a new team next year. This team cannot turn around and hand Chase Young a $25 million a year contract, Larry. He's not know. worth it. it. Well, it's not coming. It's not coming. Uh, and and there's a bunch of good uh, pass rushers in this draft. We'll get into it in the springtime. Right. But Look, it was it was a no-brainer to add Chase Young for this year. I think it's also and he's a helped. He's helped away from Chase Young at the end of this year. He's helped. But man, they got it. Somebody not named Bosa's gotta hit the quarterback. I mean, it's I don't care. Maybe you gotta activate Robert Beal. You know, maybe you gotta um activate you know, somebody else, I don't know, but you got to get, you got to hit the quarterback. You absolutely got to hit the quarterback. They didn't do it enough. Didn't do it enough at all. Maybe uh, uh, we need to put this on the table too, since he was one of the biggest concerns going into the postseason. What about this rookie kicker? Well, you know, you could say the ball came out on a too low trajectory, but a blocked kick it didn't some block kicks are totally on the kicker. I don't know if that block kick was on Moody. Um, so he doesn't even get to, you know, come close on his first field goal attempt at the postseason. But then he hits that 52 yarder. Larry, the 52 yarder is the third longest field goal in 49er playoff postseason history. Only Robbie Gold, who had a 53 and a 54 yarder, had more. And honestly, had Jake Moody not started the fourth quarter with that kick had the third quarter not elapsed and he's kicking that way. It might not have gone. That thing just cleared the bar and he's got a big leg. Um, so Moody Moody came through with a field goal. That was the difference in the final of the game. And thank God, Matt LaFleur was a little aggressive early on because he passed on an easier to make field goal. And then he watched his field goal kicker miss another field goal. So the Packers, you know, sort of left six points right there on the field um, in a three-point loss. So, um, and this I, is... By the way, Damon, since we're going through the facts and the numbers, yes. one fact that I think is really interesting, you know, when we go back and think of Brock Purdy and the job that he did in this game and, and that final drive and, and how he struggled before that final drive, do you realize that if George Kittle catches that ball that was right on the hands that he just turned and tried to run up field. Purdy would have been seven for seven for like 60 yards with two rushes for 11 yards on that last, last drive. I mean, that would have almost been, 
you know, think, you know, stuff of, of Niner lore, you know, I mean, six of seven's great too, but it, you know, you know how many people would be saying, yeah, so he was seven for seven and he was perfect when it mattered. I mean, he really was Brock Purdy on the final drive. I mean, they're down 21, 17 with six, 18 to go. The ball's on their own 31 yard line. They ma- they march 69 yards on 12 plays and they, it, you know, all wraps up with the McCaffrey six yard burst for the touchdown. Purdy was a George Kittle drop away from being seven for seven on the drive. It was a system drive, Larry. System drive. <laughs> system drive. It was an hey, incredible maybe, system drive. Maybe, did, did you find either of the stats that you were looking for, by the way? We'll put them right here in the just As far, No, I, I didn't see how many snaps Burford played. I'll, I'll okay. probably get that later, but um, I was surprised. I was surprised. I thought Feliciano was going to be the guy full-time at, at, at uh, right guard, but no, it didn't happen that way. They used Burford quite a bit in this game. So this is maybe more of my opinion than it is a fact, but I think it's an informed opinion, and I don't think anyone in the chat or you or anyone is going to argue with me on this. And T-dubs is Larry Robert Beal was on the field many times last night. Uh, he He is active. So, I mean, they... You know, and he's a young player, but he's got a lot of speed. I mean, they got to just get, they got to get to the quarterback. You know, I'm not sure who or how, but they need to do it. For the first time all year, let's be totally honest about this. For the first time all year, the 49ers won a game when they weren't at their best. When the more, when the Niners weren't at their best this year, they lost and they were, you know, more on their best than they were off their best all season long, which is why they're hosting the NFC title game next weekend. But when they weren't on, when it wasn't the A game, they lost. Oh, here it is, Damon. Gizmo Maltese. Larry Detroit is 13th in pass block win rate. Wow. thought I think it'd be better than that. I mean, they, they, they make their bones in the running game, too. Yeah. Um, it's a great O-line, but... Just shows why, you know, this was a very difficult Packer team. I mean, this Packer team didn't allow Dallas to to uh, sack Love either, you know, and shut down the great Micah Parsons. So for the first time, the Niners are the first team in the playoffs in 13 seasons without overcoming a second half deficit to win a game. Say that again. The 49ers were the first team to make the playoffs in the past 13 seasons without overcoming a second-half deficit to win a game. Yeah. This is where we come back to them being front runners. If the Niners were in control of a game, they won the game. When they weren't in control of games, they didn't win a game. They weren't in control of that game against the Packers at any point in time until victory formation, and Shanahan even admitted, the quote was, there were times when we were all off. How many football teams win football games when the head coach is admitting, yeah, we all weren't that impressive tonight? You know, so uh, it, it, it wasn't pretty. And if you needed that final box, and a lot of people insisted they needed to check this final box to be taken seriously, they checked the fuck out of it last night because they won an ugly game. Can the Niners win ugly? Up until... Saturday night, the answer was, well, if they can, they haven't yet. Hopefully they can, but they haven't yet. They won ugly on Saturday night against the Packers, and that's undeniable. Again, my opinion, sure, but I also think it's a fact. We'll put that in there, and that is our final Just the Facts segment. Kevin Kruger, edit. There you go. <laughs> we Nick Bosa, we needed a win like that. We just haven't come from behind in a while. Uh, the Niners... Lat had a comeback victory. 
The last time the Niners had a comeback victory was in week 17 last season against the Raiders in Vegas, where Purdy led them from behind. They were 10 down in the fourth. They tied the game, forced overtime, and won it in overtime. Um, Kyle Shanahan entering last night 0 for 30. The Niners were in games, including the playoffs, when they trailed by seven or more points entering the fourth quarter. They had three games like that this year in the regular season. They lost all three. So they were down 21-14 entering the fourth quarter, and uh, they pulled it out. So now they're 1-30. and Um, So, I mean, there you go. And I'll say this, too. You know, it's such a weird – it's a weird time in Niner history. Why? Because the Niners have five Lombardis. And yet we're all obsessed with number six and nobody in their thirties has ever seen them win the Super Bowl. But in the midst of all this harangue, all this, like, you know, Oh, they're not good enough. Not good enough. Not good enough. What they did last night was advanced to their third straight NFC title game. And they're in the NFC title game for the fourth time in the last five years. Now we all know it ain't good enough. Jed says, hey, look, we play for Lombardi trophies and we're looking for number six. And I get it. We all get it. But if we were really going to be balanced and we're really going to be fair minded and we and you and I try to be and you don't do this as long as we've been doing this. If you don't try to at least to be fair minded, that's a pretty damn good run Four NFC championship games in the past five years. Now, I don't want to see the Niners be the Buffalo Bills of the NFC. And neither do any of you. But we need to pause and look at the body of work that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have authored here in San Francisco and say, you know what? Jed got it right by hiring these guys. These are the right guys. And um, hopefully this is the year they climb to the top of the mountain. And once the levy breaks and they get that ring, I think there's one or two more coming. I, well, that's the thing. The minute that Kyle Shanahan proves himself to be the wartime consigliere that a lot of people say he's not. He's really good, but he's not a wartime consigliere. Papa had Jack and Luke. Look what I got. You know, um, I like the way you said that. You, you roll the R's there. Well, I, I grew up uh, around a lot of Italians, Larry, in the mob. I, I knew guys <laughs> who push buttons. But look, this is a team that's been on the precipice and. If being on the precipice of a championship were this easy, other teams would do it. Believe me, you know, no no one wants to see a team get so close and fall short, but being so close, so consistently long when you can see just, it's not even, it's impressive to be consistent from one season into the next, much less consistent over half a decade. It's hard to be consistent from week one to week eight, from week eight to week 17. It's hard to be consistent in a month. It's hard to win five games in a row in the NFL. The Niners did that twice this year. It is really hard to show up and play well week after week after week, much less season after season after season. Everything in this league is built to destroy your success. Every element of it, how teams reload, the cap is working against you. The draft is working against you. Free agency is working against you. Coaching, coaching hires are working against you. The carousel, as it always spins, a lack of continuity is working against you from all angles at all times. And that's before anybody gets hurt. 
You know what I mean? That, that's before a single person is unable to play today. Well, whole, you, you, it all comes down to personnel evaluation. You have to have the right personnel. You got to you got to know who the good personnel people are. You got to know who the great young coaches are. You got to know who the best players coming out in the college game are, and you got to sharpen your sword every year because there's great young coaches and there's great young executives. And now Adam Peters is a commander. And now D'Amico Ryans is a Texan. And now Bobby Slowick's a Texan and soon to be somewhere else. And you got to adapt and you got to keep you got to keep stocking your shelves with great personnel evaluators, great up and coming coaches. Um, and and you got to find the players in the draft. I will say this. I love the Niners plan. They let the rank and file free agent walk. They collect compensatory picks. They pour those extra compensatory picks into the draft. They kick ass after the draft and on day three of the draft, they sign one or two premier free agents. I love their equation. Uh, they just haven't climbed to the top of the mountain. I think their equation is the best going right now. Um, the one thing I would wish they would do a little bit more of is what the Ravens do, which is Eric DaCosta and Ozzie Newsome. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Um, they draft great college football players and project them to be great professional football players. They don't go with 40 times and fall in love with guys at the combine. And they're really disciplined about it. And I wish the Niners would be a little bit more like DaCosta and Newsome and go after some of the great college football players um, at a higher level than they even do, but that's just trying to be, you know, that's chasing perfection. Uh, but the Niners, I think, handle free agency as well as anybody. I think their track record on day three of the draft and post-draft with their signings, look at it, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, you name it, up and down. Dre Greenlaw was a, what, a, a fifth-round pick. George Kittle was a fifth-round pick. Hafonga was a fifth-round pick. Purdy was a seventh-round pick. DJ Jones was a six-round pick. I mean, they're finding guys after the draft, left and right. Um, you know, it's they're they're doing a nice job. They really are. And that's why that's why the Niners roster has some of the greatest stars and some of the greatest depth. And to me, if they can continue that trend, they're going to be challenging for that those Lombardis every year. Well, and, and look, it is harder. It's, it's never been easy to evaluate a college player coming no. into the NFL because Not there's easy. no element of collegiate success that dictates professional success. There really isn't. Your situation, the way that you're coached, the way that the team functions around you. Again, nobody is good enough to be the one individual that changes the entire arc of a football team, but for maybe at times a quarterback that is that special. But this is the ultimate team game. And like you're just saying, to win in the ultimate team game and to win consistently in the ultimate team game, you have to build yourself a hell of a team. The Niners have maintained a level of consistency, maybe, Larry, through the least consistent era to ever really evaluate ta talent coming out of college. First of all, you're going to have, in the coming years, more incentive for guys to stay in college, which actually might benefit the NFL in the long run, but it could affect the depth of like the next draft or two. Like when the guy is finally ready to turn pro because he's exhausted his eligibility because he stayed there for four years. He didn't come out after his junior year because that NIL money is so good. Maybe the draft isn't as deep 
in the next couple of years. But in just the past couple of years, you're dealing with, you know, the introduction of NIL money. You're dealing with the weird COVID year, which made it awfully hard to evaluate. You're dealing with a transfer portal, which doesn't give you a consistent look at some talented guys in a system. They're in a new system each and every year. This has been That's a great point. Yeah, there, 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 there has been more um unsure footing in an always unsure footing arena like player evaluation coming out of college. The last four years have been incredibly difficult to get the grasp of who's good at anything. That's a great point. I, I'll also say this. There's one other factor that we're not talking about. There's such a massive advantage that the premier programs have. Bama, Georgia, LSU, um, Ohio State, Michigan. Those schools have so much talent that you have to scout and evaluate players that don't play. Robert Beal didn't play very much at Georgia. You know what I mean? He didn't play very much, but he's got an NFL body. He's got NFL talent, and he's an NFL prospect of note. Um, but he didn't play very much at Georgia. So now you gotta you got to figure out who the five stars are that are sitting the bench at LSU or sitting the bench at Georgia or sitting the bench at Bama, and you got to figure out what those guys are going to be, and that's really difficult to do. So, you know, it's made this whole thing very, very, very difficult. Um, but, yeah, it's, about, it's all about, you know, you win with players, and um, the Niners have done a really good job at getting those players, and, 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 and even without Peters, they're going to have to figure out a way to keep doing that. Welcome to Wake Up. It's wonderful to have you here. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, 49er fans, you have woken up in the NFC title game. In a matter of hours, we're going to know exactly who you're playing, which means Larry and I are going to be back at it Monday morning, 8 a.m., normal start time for Wake Up, Monday morning, West Coast, and we will be previewing the first bite of the what's coming in the NFC game. Apple will be had tomorrow morning, Monday morning, 8 a.m. West Coast time. Uh, join us here on uh, Damon Bruce Plus or The Krug Show. We are simulcasting on both channels. Hit like, hit subscribe, memberships available, notify, make the algorithm kiss both of us on the forehead. I hope we're doing a good job for you. Thank you so much for watching. Um, we have a ton of supers, by the way, okay. people me, asking, Hey, where's my super chat? Where's my super chat? You know, I never, this is the one thing about Streamyard. It's sometimes I'm like, I don't know exactly, you know, how to work in the super chats because we're having a conversation and then I've got the chat going here. I've got the super chats over there. Some people are really good at it and they get to them real quick. I, you know, when we get it going and we got 2000 people in the room. We got almost, almost 2200 in the room right now. Um, the chats come in so fast, and so I've, I see them there. We got twenty-seven super chats sitting there right. that we're going to get get to here, and we and absolutely over, will get over, them. When you go over to the starred chats or your pre, if you're already checked marks things, you might miss the next one to come by in a chat that is moving faster than an Olympic sprinting team. You know, so it's uh, uh, we're doing the very best that we can. Neither of us have an, an in-studio producer here. Uh, so thank you so much for all your support and whatnot. Again, great way to support is just by being a uh, uh, a member. And there you go. We can never miss that. Look at um, Red Eye. Red Eye has told me something I didn't know. He says, Red Eye says, you can slow the chat stream 
It's in the edit tools. Okay. Cool. Again, again, Larry and I, we're, we're, we're still that. here. We're still learning. Here. We're learning. We're getting it. We're going to get <laughs> all caught up soon. You know, I told Tom, I said, I told Tate, you know, the, the chat goes too fast for me. I, I can't even get a bite of a meat cheese. And, 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 and then I, all of a sudden there's, there's Robert Baldacci. And, and, and then there, there's a YouTube betting and Logdiza and Jedi. And, you know, he's just going so fast. You know, you know, you can slow that down. You, you can slow that down. Did you know that you go into the edit? You go into the edits and then you slow it down, but you know, you can't slow down Christian Kirk. And that's why I'm going to give him 25 million a year. I wish these guys would just tear an ACL. So they would slow down Lowry. (laughs) Lowry. (laughs) All right. So Lowry, uh, new segment. It's the playoffs, baby. We got to keep it fresh. New segment. Oh, today's going to be, by the way, let's just all celebrate. Today is going to be a great day. You know, stress-free football watching. You know, it, 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 as Ice Cube once sang, "Today's going to be a great day." I mean, seriously, we're 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 talking about f- two football games today with no pressure. We're not. There's no pressure. You're just sitting on the cat on the couch, drinking, eating, doing whatever you do, um, enjoying a little Sunday football today. Today's going to be a glorious day. The sun is shining. My day consists of this show, Bills Chiefs tonight, Bucks Lions, and then my kids playing playing uh, uh, flag football, flag football. And he had thirty last night in the basketball game. I missed it, but my my fourteen year old went for thirty in the thirty. He, he had a thirty spot. Look my, at that. My 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 fourteen year old Euro steps behind the back. He had a play last week in last week's game where the crowd gasped. Damon, I couldn't believe it. He's a 14-year-old that made the crowd go. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Go. It's amazing. Today is going to be a great, a great day. I'm going to watch a little flag football, a little pro football. I'm probably going to cook something. I'm not really sure what. Um, I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm going to. Maybe Larry, get a little trashed. I mean, it's going to be good. When's the last time you made anybody gasp? Oh, seriously. <laughs> it's seriously. been a while. It's been a while. I mean, it's been All a right. while. Uh, it's going to be a great day. New segment. New yeah. segment. And then I don't want any more of it. Okay. We're, and this has got to be short because, like you said, great day. Even though it's a little rainy, it's sun is out. It's sunny Rainbow. here in the creek. Birds are chirping. Grass barbecue ribs. Fear Everybody the fans. Barbecue. Oh, fire up that grill later on. It's a good day to be a 49er fan. But our new segment is called the complaint department. <laughs> I'm only going to allow you to lodge one complaint. There was plenty to complain about of last night. What is your okay. single biggest complaint from last night? Ooh, While you single. think of yours, yeah. let me tell you what mine yeah. is. Yeah, and you, I st- you, you and start. I you start. To agree on this one. Me, my biggest complaint is Kyle never doesn't get tight in a moment where it's like, hey, you can either stay loose or you can get tight here. Feels like Kyle gets tight. He gets tight at the end of that half. There is a quest for control and perfection that he's got to let go of. He's got to let go of it. He is such a control freak. Again, he wants to control the clock down to, we scored our touchdown at the end of the half with triple zeros on the clock. Aren't we the best? No, the best is, don't burn 40 seconds at midfield and shrink your own amount of opportunity and the plays that you can run in your playbook. You basically 
Kyle took away the middle of the field from himself there more than the Packers did at the end of that first half because he had to either looking be looking sidelines or they had to get something so short and underneath that they'd have enough time to run back and clock it because they only had one timeout left, which you need to set up the field goal. Like Kyle in big moments gets tight. And that is a complaint that I believe applies to Saturday night. I believe it applies to past pay playoff failures, and I hope it doesn't apply to upcoming playoff games. All right, here's my one complaint. And some people are going to say, well, this is not how it's done and this and that. I don't want to hear excuses. I just, I, I, you had no Debo Samuel. To me, the 49ers value proposition. You say, do you think the 49ers can win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I fucking think the 49ers can win the Super Bowl. Why do you think that? Because they have Christian McCaffrey, they have Debo Samuel, and they have Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk has got to touch the ball more than three times. Come on. Chris Conley and Ray Ray McLeod combined and, and touched the ball two times. Brandon Ayuk has got to touch the ball more than three times. I don't well, care yeah, how you do it. You can you can't go end around. You can't go an end around to Ayuk. You can't throw him a hitch. Ayuk's got to touch the ball. He's got to touch the football. When Debo went out. To me, I thought Ayuk's got to touch it 10 times, not three times. He's too good. I this guy was the best player on the field in training camp. His radius is endless. He can catch the ball up. He can catch the ball down. He can catch the ball in, out. Get Ayuk the fucking football more. Have him touch it more. Three touches for Ayuk ain't cutting it he's got to touch the ball he's too damn good you're talking about one of the an all pro wide receiver in a win you go you win you go you move on you lose you are going home three touches for brandon Ayuk in a game where debo goes out in the first quarter let him touch the football how about this if you're end around run it to him he can any way you have to do it, scheme it, make him touch the ball. If you're only going to give Brandon Ayuk three touches, it better be because you got 45 carries coming out of that backfield. And I was surprised that Kyle abandoned Christian McCaffrey in big moments and almost the running game in a one possession game. And it does drive me nuts that we did not see Elijah Mitchell on the field. We didn't see Jordan Mason. Like this team has one running back that's better than the rest but they also have two other really good running backs that I think need to be involved in some way other than McCaffrey is hurt and cannot play. I think that Elijah Mitchell has earned a level of touches and Jordan Mason should be used in some short yardage situations. If anything, just to take the load off McCaffrey for those high impact plays. I agree. Jordan Mason is got more. He's like, a he's got more energy right now because he doesn't ever play. He's so fresh. He's so big. He's so fast. My God. I mean, they found a way to use their back, Wilson. I mean, he's a young guy. It's not, this is, Jordan Mason's not a rookie. The guy is, he's a bulldozer with speed. He's, he's 
to me, he looks like a young Marshawn Lynch. They act like they act like this guy beat up Shanahan's family or something. Get him out there. I mean, what 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 does people have against this guy? Jordan Mason is a beast. He's a total monster, and they never use him at all. I mean, come on, use that guy. Even if you even if you used him three times a game, he's a power back who's who can run over you, through you. He's fast. Get him the ball. I agree. Short yardage. You you're telling me you can't get Jordan Mason with three steps of speed and say, go into the line as hard as you can. Oh, by the way, um, I got to say this because I went on the rewatch. It was clear as day on the McCaffrey six yard touchdown. You know who absolutely kicked ass Colton McKivitz. Oh my God. Go watch that play again. He obliterated Wooten. Is that his name? The guy who got the field goal block was in there late in the game. And Colton McKivitz caved him in. McCaffrey ran into that end zone. Oh, that was a that block by McKivitz. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to him this week about that block. He eliminated that guy on the goal line. McKivitz, McKivitz, tremendous block right there.